Welcome to One Thought at a Time with Ian Travers, where we get curious about what makes us tick. Our guest today is somewhat of an anomaly on the face of it for this show, as he has taken what would seem to be a conventional route. Welcome, Mo Ahmed. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for taking the time to coming on. And uh, and now it's time for us to get our chat on, yes, as we spoke as about we spoke before. about, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mo, um, kick us off with how do you spend your time? Well, uh, like uh, or unlike most of your guests, I have a steady nine to five, so they call it. Um, so I am a digital change manager is my official title. Uh, it's kind of chopped and changed over time. Mm. But what I essentially do is project management, number one. But number two, where the change comes into it is taking people through that change. You know, project management focuses a lot on the technical aspect or the delivery of a project. Mm -hmm. Whereas change management focuses on how do you actually bring people along that change? You know, how do you change the mindset? Mm. How do you change the behaviors? Mm. And how do you get them to accept that the change is actually beneficial for them? Uh, So that's what I do in my nine to five. And then on the sides, like one of your previous guests, uh, Anthony, I'm into motorsport as well. Um, I wouldn't call myself a BMW fanboy, but I think that's kind of where I find myself going down. Uh, Drifting is a big thing for us uh, as a uni group. We kind of always were into drifting, uh, legal and illegal drifting. Um, (laughs) The the nighttime uh, drifts round the roundabout, as most uh, young kids do. Uh, And traveling, obviously, with with my wife is is also a big thing to kind of relax and, and take a time to breathe which is important. Absolutely. And how long have you been married? So it was one year as of two weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So very, yeah. very short. So uh, have you passed your probation? I have. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think I've got good ticks from, from her and everyone around her. So hopefully we'll, we'll stay that way. Yeah. I, I love the um, your reference to change management as well yes. and, and people because, um, yeah, I, I forget who it was ever said the quote, but it's people... It's not that people don't like change; they don't like being changed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, maybe circle back on that a, a little bit For later sure. as well. Where I'd like to take us next is tell us about the the route, mm. how how you got here, because I know from from our sort of our, our previous conversation, um, it's a very very interesting story. So yeah, take us through some of the key moments that led yeah. you to to being what you are now. Yeah. Uh, so, as you know, I obviously studied uh, mechanical engineering at university. Mm. And, and growing up, for me, maths and, and physics in particular were always my, my strongest subjects. And they were always the, the subjects that I leaned towards, that I saw myself perk up in class and pay attention to what the teacher was actually saying. And I think maths in particular, because I always felt like there was an answer at the end of it. Mm. You know, I had to get this number. I had to solve this equation and get this. You know, and, and for me, that provided me with a bit of clarity. And I think in an engineer's mindset, you kind of have that black and white. And that's what maths and physics kind of gave me. But also as well as a kid, I spent my summers working at my uncle's garage. Okay. You know, and that's where my love for cars came from. You know, being 13, 14, traveling every morning at 6 a.m., catching a train from Paddington to Southall to go and work at my uncle's garage gave me a sense of purpose. I think as most apprentices or anyone who's young going into kind of a family business, you start off with the the tea, 
making the coffee, making the tea, you know, talking to the customers. And Somalis, we drink a very sugary tea uh, and tea with a lot of like spices, so like cardamom and cloves and stuff like that. So my purpose was to make sure that everyone always had a tea in their hand at all times. Um, and then you progress, obviously, into supporting the other mechanics and changing stuff. And before you know it, I was 15 and I was able to do brake pads, brake discs, a service on a car, you know, doing things like the alternator and starting to really build my uh, my knowledge of, of working on cars. And it was, again, it was something where you knew there was an issue, you would fix something, at the end it would have to work. And I think that kind of was really uh, fulfilling for me. And is that, do you think, where the, the foundation of you ending up in engineering was, was coming from? Uh, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, again, it, I thought, you know, okay, I understand this principle, but what's the things behind it? You know, okay, I understand how to fix it, but how does it work? Yeah. You know, what, what's the, the maths behind it? What's the physics behind it? And that's where I think it kind of stemmed from. And I think as I got into my A-levels, I started to pick subjects that would help me go into the engineering route. Um, and I always wanted, again, to, to do something like that. So I kind of tried to, to stay on this path of, of engineering. But I think, uh, as, as we'll discuss maybe a little bit later, once I finished engineering, I guess I realized that actually, you know what, there may be a little bit more to the world. So yeah, kind of changed. Now, even at that point, you know, the working at a garage and getting in, involved in all things practical, that would make sense to go into engineering, but take us back a bit further because there was lots of other stuff going on where we start to go away from the conventional. Yeah. Uh, so tell us a bit about, you know, the story leading up to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so even prior to, to working at my uncle's garage and even at a younger age, you know, I kind of went through a lot of um, experiences where, you know, when I was about, I think it was about five or six I would say maybe a little bit older. Uh, my mother moved us to to Egypt, uh, and in the again in, in our kind of community, you you know that your parents do this thing where they like to take their children back to uh, their homeland or back to a country similar to the homeland. Sure. So you get that education in terms of understanding what life was like for them. Yeah. Uh, what life is like for maybe even your family members yeah. that are not as fortunate to have their parents, you know, bring them to, to the UK. Uh, so we moved to Egypt originally on a, on a two-week holiday, my mum calls it. Right. Uh, and we stayed for three years. Three years, wow. Uh, but it was a big, big chunk of my life, I think. Being in a, in a, in a country where the culture is not exactly the same as your culture, but it's mm. got similar kind of, um, you know, foundations. You don't speak the language. Mm. You've left your friends. You've left your family. It was a big shock for me and my siblings to to be in this new space, you know, where you've got to start school, yeah. where you've got to make friends, where you've got to learn the language, you've got to learn how people are, because I'm used to the English culture, mm. you know, even at five, six, that's ingrained in your behavior, you know, growing up in a, in a country where, they, you know, the, it's a Western society mm. compared to an African slash Arab society. So, yeah, yeah that was a, a lot of things... Uh, were learned from from those three years, uh, and a lot of experiences were had. So, so tell me a bit about that experience because uh, to to move to another country for three years, mm -hmm. you know, what wh whatever um, the reasons for it, that that must be quite a a, a wrench or, or change. What uh, how how did, 
how did that all work out? What was what was important to you in that phase? Yeah, um, I think where because uh, me growing up again, um, going back even further before Egypt, I went to a Islamic school for the mm. first couple of years of my life, so I learned a little bit of Arabic. So I'm the third youngest in, or the third in a line of four. Mm. Um, so I was the only one out of the five of us who had a little bit of Arabic in his pocket. So being six years old, I was the one that would go to the shops and the person that my family relied on to go to the shops, get the shopping, translate for my mother. You know, when we're in school, the teacher's explaining things and I'm six years old and all of a sudden I'm kind of thrust into the limelight where I'm expected to support in these responsibilities that an adult will take on. Yeah. But I think it, it really shaped me to be who I am now. Because, you know, having that responsibility at such an early age, it taught me a lot about, you know, what to expect from life, how yeah. to speak to people, mm. how to engage, how to, you know, um, kind of negotiate, influence, you know, and, and these kind of uh, competency frameworks is what we call it at work, where yeah. you've got, you know, time management, you know, influencing and negotiating. And, you know, it, it was it was quite crazy. But alongside that, I also had to be a child, you mm. know. I had to go make friends. I yeah. had to play football in the street. I had to go and have fun. So trying to balance those two was yeah was quite crazy. Tell me about the the, the family. Was is is it a very supporting family? Is is family important to you? Family is very big for us. Um, you know, my I've got three sisters, so I'm the only boy. Um, and all five of us, we've always been each other's supporting mechanism, mm. even till today. It's always, you know, if I had an issue, the first person I will call, it will be my family. Mm. And, you know, we've got a group chat and you can just literally be like, can we have a family meeting on this day? And everyone will turn up and everyone will give whatever they have, you know, whether it's blood, sweat, tears or money to support you in whatever it is. And that's what helped us get through that because my mother, she wanted us to really be uh, embedded in the Egyptian culture. So we didn't live where the expats would live. Yes. So we never lived in a gated community. Okay. We lived in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the Cairo, you know, wow. capital city. And the only people we had were ourselves. So we had to really build a family unit. And I think, again, we kind of molded into a, a new family from those experiences in Egypt. Wow. And I'm guessing that a lot of what you were learning there was setting you in good stead for the job that you do now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, like I said, you know, speaking to people, dealing with people, you know, and now that's what I do on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. I mm. speak to people, I deal with people, I understand them, I influence, I negotiate, I manage their time, you know, and, and the benefits as well, you know when we were again you know speaking to teachers or speaking to shopkeepers or whoever it is they're trying to sell me the benefits and I'm trying to you know understand what's in it for me from whatever service they're trying to provide yeah and now I'm on the other side hmm. you know I'm trying to sell benefits to the rest of the employees in the business and I now understand that they need to understand the why and the what's in it for me Brilliant. Yeah. That, that's a word which comes up a lot if you listen to anything on, on YouTube in yeah. sort of the leadership space now. You know, Simon Sinek, I think, coined it as well. This why and understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think if you if you do get a sense of any purpose or why you're doing something, mm -hmm. kind of makes things a little easier. Absolutely. You know, like you said, it's the, it's the three circles of, of Simon Sinek, you know, and at the core of things, 
once you understand, okay, why am I changing? Then it's much easier. But the why also has to be personalized. Yeah. You know, it has to be catered to that individual because mm. what, why you would change and why I change is completely different. Yeah. You know, although we may be heading towards the same goal, why we're changing to, to reach that goal is completely different. Yeah. So making sure that I tailor it to that individual, to those groups of, of people it is very important. And once they know the why, then they'll want to hear the what and then the how. You know, and, and taking them through that journey is, is pivotal. It's interesting, isn't it? I Just hearing you talk about, you know, at, at, at such a young age, having a position of responsibility in the family unit. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many people even get the opportunity to experience what, what that's like. Because, I mean, mostly in, in our society, sort of in the, in, in the UK, mm -hmm. and I think quite a lot in, in, in Western cultures is there's so much... Um, given to a person mm. rather than them having to uh, be part of it yeah yeah no it was it was very important for us and or for my mother to make sure that we all understood you know what responsibility was you know why it's important to be a responsible person and and that kind of came into fruition and, and the lessons we learned from Egypt came into fruition when looking or fast forwarding when I was 17 you know, my mother, she moved back home to look after her mother. And now it's it's just the children left. Right. You know, and the foundations that she embed, you know, 10 years ago started to come into fruition because automatically we knew what we had to do. You know, we knew, we understood her purpose. We understood why she was going, you know, and, and what it meant for her. And now we understood what we needed to do in order to maintain that family unit and make sure that we continued to embody those lessons that she taught us. So what ages were you all at the, when, when that happened? So my youngest sister, she was uh, 13 going on 14. Okay. I was uh, in my A-level, so I was about 17. And then my two eldest sisters were 20, 20 and 21. Okay. So everyone was still young, kind of in uni, in school, you know, and, and again, no one was really a, you know, out and out worker, you know, that was working a full-time job. Everyone kind of, contributed yeah and it was like okay i can bring xyz to the table you can bring you know this and this and that person can bring this and this and and then your pie becomes full because everyone's brought a slice to the table so it's fascinating isn't it because yeah. if you think about it, i mean it's very current i mean at the at the moment lots of people are going through exams yeah at school now and i just wonder you know if you think about what what happened to you around this time it's not just the pressure of the exams and being focused on, but suddenly now your your support network is suddenly turned upside down. Yeah. And and how long was your was your mum away for? So my mum, she was gone for four and a half, five years. Wow. So she did make it back just in time for my graduation. Um, she uh, yeah she was she was back the I think two months before my graduation. So yeah, about four and a half years. That, yeah. that's how did that feel it, it, it was difficult I'm not gonna lie mm. um, you know because again our mother has been the rock of the family mm. you know she has been the person who has always been there she sacrificed so much to ensure that her children had a better life than her mm. you know obviously being a Somali you know the civil war is, is a major factor of mm. of our history you know, and, and she had left when the civil war had just started. 
you know, and, and her and my father at the time when they were together made that sacrifice to leave, you know, and, and even hearing their story, you don't appreciate it until you get older. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and that's when I really, when my mum came back and, and she was talking about, you know, the experience that she had looking after her mother until she passed, you know, it, it gave me even more respect for her. Mm. Because not only did she go back to a country that was almost alien to her because she had been away from there for 30 years. Yeah. So she's going back to a country that's not what she knew. Yeah. You know, the people that she knew are not who she knows. And, she, you know, she's almost that role model for us because she's always made those sacrifices and she's always had a resilient mindset hmm. in that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I will be able to get through it. You know, I don't care if it's if no one's going to support me. I know my duty is to look after my mother. And that for us, you know, if she's able to do that, then we can do anything. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. What um, what, what do you think you you learned from that 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 whole period of of your your whole family unit changing? What, what do you think you took from that? I think one of the biggest things that I learned was you're stronger than you think. Hmm. And I think, you know, if you if you were to say to any 17-year-olds, your mom's going to go back to her home country, it's just going to be you and your siblings for four years, they would all freak out. Yeah. You know, you would say, I can't do that. You know, what do you mean? Why is she leaving? You know, and you would be so engulfed in the fact that she's leaving that you wouldn't realise that actually you know what, it's something that you can do. You would think the task is so enormous and you'll think that you're going to fail, you know, and you think, and you're all automatically, your mindset would be one of failure. Yeah. But I think when I look back at it, I can only look at it as a success because we were able to get through one of the most difficult times for our family because we, we had those foundations. We were able to have a, a, a strong mindset mm. to say, okay, you know, uh, this is what we're faced with now. Let's not get engulfed in the emotions of it. And we were talking earlier downstairs about yeah. taking that step back. You know, we were able to take that step back, remember the lessons that our mother taught us mm. and not lead with emotion, but lead with almost logic, yeah. which comes to the engineering mindset. Again, it's, it's you know, logic, yeah. you know, and say, okay, cool. This is the, the issue that we face. This is how we fix the issue or this is the solution. Okay, now we just need to bridge that gap. You know, and, and and I think that's really what I take from it is the fact that we were way stronger than we are. Mindset is everything. If you change your mindset and you look at something as actually, you know what, I am capable of doing this, the results will be more positive. It's uh, it, it's really interesting, I mean, hearing you talk about that and we did touch it when we spoke the, the, the other week, but I process as much as I can. I cannot imagine mm. what, what it was like to, to go through that. Um, what kept you going? A lot of things. I think my mum or our mum coming back to something that she can be proud of in terms of we've achieved things, mm. you know, whether it's education, yeah. whether it's we've kept the house from burning down and <laughs> we're still here and, and no one's died. Mm. You know, I, th I think those were kind of my main drivers was, okay, let me achieve something to show my mother something that she can be proud of, hmm. you know, and she could come back and say, you know, I, I raised you guys to a certain point and you guys were able to take that next level up. 
you know, and, and get your education and, you know, get a, a, a full time job in a, in a decent company and and actually start being, uh, you know, almost a responsible adult and, and living your chapter of life. That's, that, that's amazing. And and inevitably there were going to be days in that period, those four and a half mm-hmm. years where it was a bad day, difficult yeah. times. What, tell me about that. How did how did that unit, how did your support network work? Yeah, I, th- I think definitely there, there were days where you do feel down. Everyone mm-hmm. does. You know, you've got, like you said, the stress of exams, trying to achieve something, you know, and, and I didn't do as well as I would have hoped in my A-levels. And to have to go home and say to my siblings, you know what, I didn't get the grades I wanted. I'm not getting into the university I wanted was very difficult, mm. you know, and, and rather than, you know, saying, oh, look, the, the, the effort that you put in, it hasn't come to fruition. They said, that's OK. That's all right. OK, what are our options? You know, right. what can we do? People have bad days. Maybe that exam day wasn't your day, <laughs> you know, because you did put in the effort. We saw you study and we're proud of the effort that you put in. So you're not to blame. You know, things do happen. And it wasn't in your control to a certain degree. But now it's about, okay, what can you do? Rather than dwelling on the negative, it's like, okay, how can you take the circumstances that you have now to keep going towards your goal of becoming a mechanical engineer? You know, what are the building blocks that now we need to do? And it's adapting to the situation, you know, and and my sisters have always been very supportive of everything I do. And that's when I really, again, you know, my elder sisters took on almost a motherly role. Mm. To, to give you that, that emotional support yeah. uh, and, and to make sure that I didn't feel like a failure just because I didn't achieve what I set out to achieve initially. I mean, it's far from it, isn't it? Because if you think about, you know, we said at the start, you know, this yeah. may on the face of it look like a conventional route here, but this is a, this is a far from conventional yeah. route, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it, it's a story, uh, uh, several chapters of that story that most people will never get anywhere close to experiencing mm. what next that's a very good question uh, i think for me i, I want to continue growing and continue i think you know we, we touched on it uh, when we talked earlier um for me a major driver for me is seeing that moment click in people's brains mm. and i think we spoke about that mm. uh, previously and i and I want to continue doing that and I want to push the envelope even further on how many people I can reach, you know, and, and how many people I can support in a change journey. Because mm. what drives me now is is that is the seeing that click and seeing that transition. And actually, when people look back and say, oh, Mo, you know what? When you spoke to me six months ago, I didn't think this was capable or I was so stuck in my ways mm. doing something like this. And when you brought me to here, I'm not going to lie to you, I was a bit sceptical. But, you know, you told me wait three months and I've waited three months and now I can see, you know, the fruition of, of the work that we put in. And I think that for me is, is a big thing, you know, always helping people realise that change is, is, is not something to be afraid of. Yeah. You know, change is something where it, it, it can be for the better. Mm. And once you push through that barrier point, you're going to see that actually... Me, I'm, I'm capable of change, but that change was also something which was better for me. I can, I, I mean, it's we've, we've, we've chatted a, a couple of times, one, once virtually in today, and, and I can tell even by spending a, a small amount of time in, in, in your company as well, 
your 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 passion and your wanting to help other people it yeah. kind of oozes out of you as well um that's that's a pretty good skill set to have isn't it? <laughs> it it has helped me a lot um and i think it's crazy if, if you were to go into my organization and ask them who's mr office 365 they would point to me and and i do feel proud about that hmm. because it, it shows that i actually had a great impact on everyone yeah uh, and and I was able to to really get people to to just have one part of their day that's a bit simpler than it was a, a little while ago, and I think that for me is is yeah is is a really big driver. Is is my passion is making sure that people are able to get through the change and people are able to have a, a little piece of their day back from something that I was able to implement. That's marvelous. Um, I could go on talking for, for hours about this um, but I'm going to have to just ask you a, a couple of final questions um, now one of these you might have a, a, a sneaking preview of what I'm going to ask because if you've looked at previous episodes um, I think this is going to be an interesting question given your journey as well imagine we could conquer time travel okay um, and you could write the younger Mo a letter mm-hmm. and leave it for the younger Mo to find Knowing what you know now, what do you think you would write to the younger you? It's, it's a very good question. Uh, I haven't given it any thought before. I think this is probably the first time that I'm really thinking about that. But I think I'll, I'll probably let him know that just continue to strive and continue being yourself, even if you are an outlier, even if you are a an outsider stay true to your core values Mm. and everything works out love it so my final question um is in um these episodes in our second series now we we like to ask each guest to leave a question for a future guest okay so i wonder based on the conversation we've had today what might you like to ask a future guest i think because always trying to save people time in their day is important so that they can use it for other things it's important to me i think i'd probably ask where in your day do you feel you can take five minutes back for yourself what a great question that's brilliant and then hopefully they can implement that fantastic it's a busy world isn't it and it very is. very busy world and we it you know is. to make time for ourselves is is important one that's a great question so um i have one question then from a previous guest uh, to ask you and and this question is if you could change just one thing for tomorrow what would it be uh if i could change one thing uh tomorrow i think it would be um having more time to spend with or getting to know my extended family i think you know, we talked about family being a core thing for me. And I think it's, you know, the core family unit is strong. Mm. But I think I would love to hear the stories of the people that I haven't crossed paths with well, um, back home. That's great. It's interesting that I, if I reflect on that, there are sometimes questions I wish I'd asked my nan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's great. That's a great answer. Mo, thank you ever so much for thank coming you on. Thank very much for having me. This has been One Thought at a Time with Ian Travers and our guest this time, Mo Ahmed.
If you have been, thanks for listening.